war going on out there. Blade, myself, a few others. We try to keep it from spilling over onto the streets. Sometimes people like yourself get caught in the crossfire. I have blood samples. I can go to the police. They own the police. You have to understand they're everywhere. Chances are you've seen them yourself and didn't know it. On the subway or in a bar. So that's it? You guys just patch me up and send me on my way. Here. Vampire mace. Silver nitrate, essence of garlic. You keep your eyes open. Be careful. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 49 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. And today we are discussing Stephen Norrington's Blade from 1998, starring Wesley Snipes, Stephen Dwarf, Chris Christopherson, and Nabuche Wright. Uh, before we dive into that discussion, Thomas, will you read from us? Will you read for us the IMDb synopsis? Absolutely. All right, Blade, 1998. A half vampire, half mortal man becomes a protector of the mortal race while slaying evil vampires. Short and sweet, nice and yeah. concise. Sums it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah. uh, what did you think of Blade? Um, I, I I enjoy this movie. I'll preface this by saying I had never. I like I didn't really like grow up with Blades. Like people, my viewers might know, you might know, wasn't really allowed to watch rated R movies in the house. Mm-hmm. And so I was not really into like horror and stuff like that. But as I got older and moved into my, my buddy Johnny's house in Concord and on the shelf, there was the Blade trilogy. So in one day I sat and I watched all three in nice. one sitting. And so I, revisiting this was really nice because I would like didn't really have that that trilogy pressure to watch all three and just kind of focus on this first one. Yeah. And I enjoy this movie. I think it's a little long, but I, I give it a lot of props for just production value, just for pure style, just for not giving a shit in a lot of areas and kind of just going all out in a lot of ways visually. And there's a lot of stuff to love about this movie. Um, Wesley Snipes is fantastic. It's just like, he, he's really going all in as as the titular Blade. And yeah, um, I, I think this is, I, I really enjoy it. I think it could get like 30 minutes cut off of it. It'd be a little bit more of a streamlined movie, but overall it's really enjoyable. And it's, and it's nice to have like a Marvel movie that's like not really attached to any of like the big MCU yeah. things. It's like the precursor. There'd only been like two other uh, adaptations of Marvel properties before this. One was a Captain America movie in the 40s and then Howard the Duck in 86. (laughs) And so, yeah, this is like the first like modern Marvel movie. So I just give it props for like really be like the Renaissance and being like the the man on the front line, sort of, so to speak, and starting off this modern day comic book uh, cinematic obsession. So shout out to Blade for being not only cool vampire movie, but just a dope movie. What, What did you think about it? Um, I've kind of had a hard time sitting and watching this one. I, I think the first time I watched it, I fell asleep. I think it might have just been kind of late. Um, and I was telling someone about it recently. And, and I was saying, oh, I feel like I kind of fall asleep around the time where like someone gets bit or something and they have to take them back to, to Blade's headquarters and give them like a blood transfusion. That happens like 17 minutes into this movie. Yes. <laughs> it's very early. <laughs> it's very early. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just that 
opening scene with the blood rave is so good and we get yeah. like such great action in that in that and then it kind of just immediately slows down and um yeah i think I, I i think there is like a pacing problem with this movie but overall on a rewatch i was like this movie's fucking awesome <laughs> like yeah. um yeah they could probably tighten some things up i it feels kind of like it's the end of an era where it's because uh, this is right before the matrix and yeah like once we once the matrix happens every movie is trying to be like sleek and sexy with its action but this is still a little dirty it's still a little cheesy at times like, yeah it's yeah. not afraid to just like ham it up um yeah and i don't know i, I blade is awesome it's it, is it good yeah <laughs> i don't know but it's awesome <laughs> yeah it's funny you mentioned the matrix because yeah that was the first thing i thought of i was like yeah it has like the nightclub aesthetic is like really dark it's more like blues and reds in this movie because of the blood and vampire kind of yeah. theme um like the cold vampire and like the, the blood obsession so a lot of reds and blues but yeah give props to the just the audacity of the blood rave just being like just this it's just, awesome yeah, it's just, like a fucking guar show yeah <laughs> love, i love that and then fucking it also has bullet time in it like it's just the first time it's like pre-matrix bullet time just like a very quick shot and like towards the uh towards the end of the movie when he uh, confronts uh deacon frost in the park and he does the shots there's like a oh, just a really brief moment oh, where it's like yeah. the bullets are like have like the bullet trail that. and i was like damn like they they really got in there like just right before the matrix with that which i yeah. think is was, was also just to the hat to them <laughs> yeah the obvious leather with sunglasses there's also uh immediately after the blood rave scene there's jumping between buildings, sort of like Trinity at the opening of uh, That's the true. Matrix. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, it feels like the Wachowski saw this and they were like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, or or they were like worried because I imagine they had already kind of probably got the wheels turning on the Matrix. Uh, yeah, definitely. One year later. But um, yeah, there was some other thing too that was similar. I think That's like the music, nice. like just that like deep house kind of soundtrack to backing all of the fights. I think that's a thing worth mentioning. Oh yeah, it's it's the fights. So Wesley Snipes said he wanted it to feel like more like Hong Kong action, and like that is also what the Matrix did. It's not shot as well, um, yeah. but and it's a little clunkier. I don't think Wesley Snipes did like months and months of kung fu training for this, but uh, it's still it's it. Yeah, probably just Fun. spent months months in character as Blade. You just just spent months talking with this deep voice, wearing sunglasses everywhere. So, um, one thing I want to talk about with this movie, I took some notes, and I'm not sure what is. I, I feel like there's a weird thing going on with the sexuality in this movie, um, because obviously, with all vampire movies, there's always a sexual component. You know, where uh, there's seduction to lure in the food. And then yeah. uh, you bite their necks during a makeout session, sort of thing. Yeah. But um, a lot of this movie, it's about you know, Blade. He's half human, half vampire. He is suppressing his vampire side. He's suppressing that thirst. And he's a guy who roams around in these big black trench coats with sunglasses on. And I I, it saying. didn't really, <laughs> it didn't really hit me until uh, there's a scene where, spoiler alert for Blade, um, he discovers his mother is still alive. And they have this interaction, which feels kind of sexual. Uh, she's yes. like getting up in his face, almost touching his lips as he's in this um, weird sort of mold contraption where they're going to like squeeze the blood from him, basically. 
Yeah, um, it's really odd. Yeah, Sonalathan comes out of this really probably the best bed I've ever seen in a movie. Just like it's like a it's like a metal case, and yeah, she comes out and then she's like is basically touching his lips, and yeah, it's, it's yeah. very intimate. And so when he's in this in this contraption that is going to uh, you know be used to drain his blood, he's not wearing a shirt anymore, and she's getting up in his face and like almost touching his lips, almost kissing him, and. So that's that's when it first started clicking for me. Like, okay, something something weird's going on here with this mother son sexuality thing. And also, this is like I think the first time we've seen him shirtless. I don't know if that's if that's wrong, but like there has been this stripping of the clothing, yeah. and that stripping of the clothing leads into he has had his blood drained, and uh, uh, Nabusha Wright she ends up coming to save him, and she has him feed on her. And the way the scene is shot of him feeding on her is very sexual. Like if you didn't know what, if you didn't know the context of the scene, if you saw it out of context, you would think they were fucking or something. Uh, there's like this thrusting that's happening. It's very so visceral, now he yeah. is he is embracing his true self. He is becoming a sexual entity. Uh, it feels like, and then he has another encounter with his mother. She's like up in his face again, and he. Not only does he penetrate her, he not only does he stab her, he stabs her with a bone. He bones his own mother in this <laughs> oh, movie. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I went uh, over my head. <laughs> that's good. That's good. So I don't know what's going on, what, what, what this movie is saying or exploring. Uh, if it's about, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to make of all that. Hopefully we can figure that out. I don't know. I'm about to go back and, and check those scenes out because, yeah, that's... There's, there might be something there. I think you might be onto something because yeah, it, it is one of those movies. Where, yeah, he is, he's very covered up and he's very like, uh, yeah. I think that Wesley Snipes, his blade is very serious and he has like some fun lines, but yeah, he's, just, he's playing it very straight. And then yeah, it feels like I want to ask about what you thought about the casting of this movie because I feel like everyone else is kind of having a good time for the most part. But yeah, Blaze always seems like and a priest like serious, and so yeah, for him to have that sort of awakening in the third act, I think there there might be something to that. I mean, I think everyone's really good. Wesley Snipes is kind of like, like I wasn't really familiar with Blade before, but it's hard to imagine a different person playing that role because he does such a good job. Uh, he has such a look to him. Uh, I think Steven Dorff does a fantastic job. And I know that Jet Li was considered for the role of Frost, which would have been a super fucking oh, really? different movie because there's, there's scenes in this movie where Steven Dorff is being sexual and sensual and uh, I don't know how that would play with Jet Li. I don't know if Jet Li can, you know, pull off that type of charisma as a vampire. Um, yeah, I'm not sure about that. And I'll, yeah, I think, yeah, going with Steven Dorff really, really works because I was uh, watching the interviews with him. He sort of mentioned that, like, this uh, depiction of vampires is sort of alluding to, like, how the, the modern mafia is and how it's just like a mm. you know, ta big table. Everyone's sort of dressed out in leather. They have their hands in the sort of a lot of, uh, they're like they own the police they own the government you know it's like they have their hands and everything they control like they control half the city they own half the city kind of thing and yeah i think it's like a, a very clear commentary on like capitalism and like white capitalism it's like yeah it's like these it's like that like that shadow government that you don't know about that's always there controlling things like they're the illuminati sort of speak and i think it, it works that Stephen dorf is like this uh like really charismatic charming but like evil white dude and i don't think jet lee would be able to pull off the uncle tom line that, yeah, that Stephen yeah, that uncle tom line. <laughs> i i yeah i didn't know what to make of that because 
that just made me think about like the racial dynamics of this movie and it's like but then there's the vampire race thing where it's like the vampires see humans as food and like Ross thing is he's like um they're cattle you know we we shouldn't be trying to like form these uh you know alliances with them or anything like that they should just be subservient to us yeah um calling them like half breeds and stuff too but then blade is just determined to exterminate the vampires uh there's no no one is trying to negotiate peace or figure out some sort of oh, deal yeah, no. here it doesn't seem like uh, yeah i'm just like also i'm just particularly obsessed with that park scene just for like just how crazy it is like there's no I feel like in a modern movie, there'd be a lot more backstory to like the little girl that shows up and it's like held as this hostage and it's like little, hmm. just one scene. But yeah, it's like we show up, he's in the park. He's just like, he has a girl hostage and then he yeah. proceeds to like, throws her into a, like a glass. Like, yeah, he thing. fucking throws yeah. her through like a flower store or some shit. Yeah, it's fucking, <laughs> it's fucking gnarly. Yeah, she's about to get hit by a truck and then he saves her. And then, yeah, it's just, the whole scene is just like a fever dream the whole movie has so much crazy shit in it but yeah just that scene just sticks out to me a lot i feel <laughs> like there's kind of a a dream quality to the temple at the end like i i love yeah. when a movie has it like starts in a in a very different place than where it ends because i feel like it feels like if i was flipping through cable and i came upon this temple stuff at the end i'd be like what the fuck is this movie like how do they end up here yeah, um, yeah, I think definitely. they just take an elevator or something like that. But uh, the journey there isn't very interesting. But um, well, yeah, it's it's kind of trippy. Honestly, I'll give them props for having some like set pieces. Like I, every time I watched the, the two times I've watched this movie, I like I the first time was seeing like the pearl scene. I was like, what is happening? Like, what is this oh, like yeah, morbidly obese vampire creature? It's like the man in the chair. I'm like, is this, like, is this Deacon Frost's like hacker? I was like, who is this person? And then they proceed to torture slash burn them with this UV ray. And it's just screaming in agony. And yeah, this is that whole scene is like, I don't know. Maybe I give this movie props for having good like practical effects. Some of the CGI is a little shaky, especially towards the end with like the blood, blood god oh, yeah. or yeah, whatever that thing is called. When um, Steven Dorf gets cut in half and then like yeah himself i'm like i'm glad it happens i think it's cool that they're like doing shit like that i think it's fun but it doesn't look that good yeah in the beginning they're like the the blood rape least slashing vampires and they sort of just like dissolve into like ash or whatever like that looks kind of cool i like yeah even the subway scene i think the lighting is doing a lot of heavy lifting which is like a lot of lights going back and forth you have the cgi train but like it's more you're focused on just the characters and how they're reacting to it so i think there's a really good sleight of hand going on. It's so, you know, late nineties movie. So they have CGI and they do lean into it. Like there's a, a typical nineties depiction of a computer program when he like Stephen Dorff, like mm, he's, yeah. he's deciphering the, the, the dead language of the vampires and it gets uh, represented on screen as like this nice green DOS thing with like human, like little people figurines with like signals on them. And then they get filled with blood. And then it's just like a, a shock wave of red. And it's just like, it's like Jurassic Park. It's like, that's not, is that like a computer yeah. program? Like what the fuck am I supposed to like? I want to see like a super cut of all the times, like shitty computer programs have been depicted in film. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be really um, good. I think this, but like in regards to special effects, the fucking Udo Kier scene where he's exposed to the uh, yeah. sunrise and that's fucking, I want to see a behind the scenes of how they did that because like it's clear, it, it, it looks like he's, they've done some stuff to like paint out whatever was around him. Like maybe he was in front of a green screen or something like that. Yeah. And then they added him to the scene. 
uh, and, like, maybe they're hiding, like, wires, like, ripping his flesh off as he's, like, starting to, like, decompose and kind of burst. But, yeah, it looked really good. And then, speaking of bursts, like, we get this uh, element where, like, the serum gets injected to vampires and they explode. There's a great moment in a hallway where he uh, injects two different vampires. One is up against the wall and one is on the ground. And they just start blowing up, like... uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in Total Recall, where he's just like getting all swollen and puffy. And, yeah, it's so gross. And it's like fucking hooray. I'm so glad that this movie has people <laughs> swelling up and exploding in it. Like, it's such a weird movie, and it's weird to think that Marvel is going to try and incorporate Blade into the MCU with uh, Mahershala Ali, with a new a new Mahershala Ali movie. Yeah. Um, and also like, uh, did a trivia, Stephen Dorff starred with him in season three of True Detective. So I think that's an interesting seven degrees of Hollywood <laughs> type of thing. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck they're going to do. Like, I feel like they're going to make the vampires really more creature like. So we don't see a guy slicing up people. Um, yeah. That's one thing I like really like about this movie is like you mentioned that it's kind of on like end of the era it's kind of on the grittier side and mm-hmm. yeah i really appreciate these like a little bit older movies where you can sort of just have a lot of extras and a lot of uh, <laughs> i hate to say it this way but a lot of henchmen that just get fucked up and a lot of people that just just fall victim to yeah. these cool things and these cool fights and i really enjoy uh donald logue as quinn he's like this the quintessential like uh sidekick to the bad guy yeah. where he's He's having like a lot more fun. He's he just saying jokes, saying dumb shit. And in the beginning of the movie, like in the blood rave, he gets burned alive by Blade. And then if we proceed to the, that's how we're going to introduce to Dr. Karen Jensen is she's like, like it's doctor and, and like it's called into this autopsy that he's just completely burnt to a crisp. And that, those effects are really, really good. Like the makeup on him is like, under the blue light, it's just, he's just his whole, all his whole body and all the skin is just completely like, like, I don't know, just completely decimated. And then he gets up and uh, runs out of the hospital. And it's like a really silly scene. I think I like read a trivia thing where it said that when they were shooting that scene, something happened and he had ended up like hurting his jaw. Like he had had a previous accident when he was younger and his jaw became unhinged. Oh, sure. And like, so when they were shooting the scene, something happened and it had like fucked his job again. And so they had to take him to a real hospital because it was, this was just a set looking the way he did, which is in like all this burn makeup <laughs> and his like jaw is like hanging off. <laughs> and yeah, that they said really that like gnarly. the emergency room kind of cleared out pretty quickly. <laughs> that is fucking gnarly. Oh man. Yeah. But I, I like his character because he like, they're having fun with it. Like the gag of him losing his arms constantly yeah. to blade and yeah he has like blade sword has this defense mechanism where it, it turns and it these metal spikes pop out and just slices your hand off and i like when they go into i want to i want your opinion on this scene because there's this whole thing about like the vampire's dead language and this uh deacon frost is spending a considerable amount of effort and resources into deciphering this dead language that apparently can't be deciphered or whatever and they uh blade sort of detectives his way into the archives and he finds like all of their like they're like all their scrolls and all of their things um i think it's the book of arabus or is that? i don't know how they pronounce it like the book of arabus i think and it's like every time i in an action movie i see a room filled with glass i just like okay it's gonna be henchmen are gonna get thrown through that glass constantly oh, yeah but i was just like 
he's like, yeah, we want Blade alive. But I'm like, you're destroying all of like the archive. <laughs> all of your archives are just getting completely just fucked up during this fight. I just I just like that every time like he's throwing someone through glass or something, he always has to turn away to make sure it doesn't get in his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like it adds like a certain level of like, uh, I don't know, it kind of grounds a little bit more. Yeah. I do like uh, the choreography towards the end. I, they just have like a lot of fun with it. There's just like a, a, a little brief moment in the fight as he's leading up to Deacon Frost where he's fighting these two henchmen. He does like three or four spin kicks in a row where they're just like doing spin kicks at each other. Did oh, you yeah. notice that moment? Yeah, it's like uh, in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin and Han are just, or not Han, <laughs> Anakin and Obi-Wan are just swinging and missing each other. Yeah. But it's with roundhouses. <laughs> Way better. Yeah, a lot of roundhouse kicks and yeah, like the the pose with the sword when he grabs it out of the marble. And I feel like some of the stuff, like I think he's like fighting someone with a shovel or like a staff at one point. And it's like, it reminded me that like, oh yeah, Jackie Chan movies were starting to get really popular in the United States. Like I wonder if they yeah, felt like, point. like if they were inspired to sort of create this um, improvisational, you know, adapting to the surroundings, using whatever's lying around thing uh, when fighting. Yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, I just think, yeah, just unfortunately, that's where I sort of start to tap out towards that, like, second half of the movie when it's like, because we haven't even talked about uh, Chris Christopherson as uh, the Whistler who plays mm -hmm. Blade's mentor. And the first time we meet him, he's uh, working on some stuff in the workshop and the song Bad Moon Rising is playing. So uh, a little another a little inside joke there, Bad Moon Rising vampires. <laughs> Wait, yeah, no, is Full Moon's vampires? Is that... <laughs> Full moon is werewolves. <laughs> werewolves. Okay, I totally had that wrong. I thought they were making like a tongue-in-cheek thing. Are there werewolves in the Blade universe also? Uh, or is it a, just vampires? That's a good question. I, I don't know. I've, I've seen the trilogy, but I don't think any... Spoilers, I don't think okay. any uh, werewolves show up. Only Twilight had the courage to combine those two mythologies. Mm, yeah. Well, there was also the Monster Mash. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> Yeah. Um, also, what do you think about our um, our car chase? There's a, a car chase between. Oh, fucking Blade yeah! I wrote that down. I just wrote weird ass driving scene, <laughs> less than cool. Yeah, um, the, like the speed ramping is a little. That, that's the only problem. It's like this is really fucking dumb. It's like, super goofy. Yeah, and we get this uh, sort of like backdrop behind Wesley Snipes when he's in the car, and it's t totally fake. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just feels. It's just not cool. Like, this movie is doing a lot of, like, stylish stuff, and it's trying to be stylistic with this driving scene. I think the ramping stuff, it ramping up the speed isn't supposed to be just, like, uh, you know, practical, like, uh, serving a practical purpose. I think it's supposed to be more stylistic, but it yeah. just, like, it does not come off well, I think. It, 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 or at least it hasn't aged well, you know? Yeah, I agree. Um, and, yeah, also... Uh when I was going to bring up Chris Christopherson, I like, I really like the casting. I think it's really cool that we have like this folk singer playing like the, our, like our sage, like sensei sort of character for Blade. It's a, a really good dynamic between just like, just Wesley Snipes just being just dead ass serious and you know, always having the sunglasses on. And yeah, Chris Christopherson having, you know, being more, more ragged, more like, yeah, it's just, just guy inside of a metal shop, just, you know, just yeah. making garlic serums with my buddy, just kind of doing that thing. But I feel like his character has the, like, the burden of just delivering so much exposition that I started mm -hmm. to get really, just, every time he's on screen, it's like, okay, it's like, what are you going to explain to us now? And yeah, yeah I don't know, it started to drag on me a little with his character. Yeah, I, I think I didn't mind it too much. Um, I think I just, 
when I whenever he was on screen, I was just thinking about like the design of the character and the performance where it's just there's a scene where he's like smoking a cigarette and then he starts drinking a bottle of whiskey and it's like, okay, we get it. He's gruff. Like, yeah, yeah. like his life is, uh, he's having a hard time. Yes, <laughs> he's fighting yeah. vampires. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's, he's, yeah. It takes a toll on a man. Definitely that trope. Yeah. He's just, he's at the end, no family, wife and daughter killed by a vampire. So now his, yeah. his journey is just to be as scruffy and as, <laughs> as angry with yeah. blade as possible. But yeah, I just think, it it's, goes to the point that like this vampire uh, mythos has been around and it's been around with film for as long as you know, we can remember. It's like Nosferatu is like you know mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the classic films. And yeah, I think one of the issues with like having a vampire movie is that there's just so many rules and there's so many different permutations of those rules that there mm-hmm. sort of has to be a moment or a character who just like, well, vampires can sort of do this, this, and this. And the vampires you were thinking of, they do that, but yeah. that's kind of different. And, uh, it's yeah, like they, they removed crosses from the mythology. Like, vampires aren't, you know, deterred by crosses. Uh, because I think uh, David S. Goyer, the writer, said, it's like, what if a vampire is Jewish? Like, why would a cross have any impact on them? So they were just like, eh, we'll uh, just get rid of it then. That's funny. Um, but it's weird that they stuck to garlic and that they're, like, creating garlic injections and stuff. It feels yeah. a little hokey, but yeah, my favorite cameo. Well, not even like a cameo, but like he goes to like the apothecary and like buys the the garlic scene from like this other guy, and he like gives him like this cool like handshake. <laughs> and like, yeah, he's just like that's his garlic plug. That's the guy yeah. he goes to kill. He's like, I need something stronger this time. This is kind of this is really silly, but um, yeah, a lot of fun though. It's also interesting that this is a precursor to like Underworld and Resident Evil. It feels like those movies kind of took up the torch of this movie where it's you know there's yeah. not a whole lot of like action horror movies i i know there was like daybreakers with ethan hawk and willem dafoe um that was also about vampires but yeah action yeah. horror feels like an underserved genre nowadays yeah i think you're right yeah they're gonna bring blade back but yeah like yeah. i feel like the yeah, underworld sort of took that torch for sure because that was the one i saw like at least images of the most when I was like younger, it's like just always seeing Kate Beckinsale, like just, it was like just constantly. Just yeah, like, okay. and I haven't seen any of those and I don't really have any desire to. Uh, <laughs> so not the next franchise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, have you seen any of those? No, I haven't. But yeah, I just remember them looking really blue. It's like just a lot of blue and like dark. And I was like, okay, this is, I don't know. That just seems interesting. It's just hard to do action horror well because it's like, actually like they're both there's so much opportunity for them to just be cheese ball both genres horror and action like yeah. uh and so when you put them together how do you resist the temptation of going full cheese yeah and honestly i think this franchise is a good one to look at with that in mind because yeah this first one i feel like I, have you seen the other two i haven't no okay yeah i i, I really like this one for just how like it feels like a really good first chapter introduction to sort of all of this lore and this world before other directors sort of show up and kind of take it into different directions a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think this one does a lot of things right. I just, yeah, I just wish it was a little bit shorter and just gave us maybe a few, like a few less overdrawn out fight sequences and sort of just stuck to the big, to the bigger things and the more just like, like the scene with Pearl or like the stuff at the end, like just give us more of that like really weird 
turned up stuff and at night we don't yeah him sort of like mulling around uh karen's apartment and then like the, he's beating up this cop for like 20 minutes and yeah, <laughs> yeah. like it's just, it kind of just drags on a little bit. it is cool i don't like this like the fat guy <laughs> and like the temple we spend just enough time with these things it, it, it feels like it's kind of like a boba fett effect where it's like it's something to stimulate your imagination of like what the fuck? They have big fat guys too. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else do they have? And now the the world suddenly seems a little bit more interesting. There's an ancient language, and they, like there's a there's a vampire god. Like, what is the vampire god like? Um, yeah. yeah, they're giving us little bite sized pieces of mythology to to make us wonder. I guess. Um, but... Yeah, there's a guy named Dragonetti. <laughs> like, do you have <laughs> yeah. names like that? Are we gonna get to see Dragonetti? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really good. Um, any Anything. other thoughts about Blade? Um, sort of I like think bounced all around there. Yeah, we bounced all around. <laughs> I think it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's interesting that so so yeah. I mentioned before, Blade's mother is alive. She immediately recognizes him, even though he was disappeared when he was a baby. Um, yeah. and then Deacon says that he's the vampire who bit his mother who turned his mother and he so he's basically he's kind of the reason he's the reason blade is half vampire half human it's kind of a i am your father moment a little bit yeah yeah and it's interesting because yeah that's part of that last like third act where i think it just drags on it's like yeah do we like i know you guys like it's good to have sanaa in, in the cast and it's, she's great but like do we really need her to show up and tack on another 20 minutes of this extra conflict before he you know, beats all the henchmen up and working his way up to Deacon Frost and fight the blood glot thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Just when she shows up, I was like, Oh, it's like, I get why she's here and I understand what she's like, the purpose is, but it's just, I was just like, okay, guys, this is getting like just way too drawn out for like what should be a little bit more of a punchier vampire movie. This would be a lot more fun, but then, yeah, it was like, I like the stuff you mentioned about like some, weird like incest love kind of thing like uh, going on but yeah it's just like yeah it's like an hour and 45 minutes or like an hour and 30 minutes at that point so it's just it's hard for me to sort of stay focused yeah it's like are they trying to do like an like an oedipus complex thing or oedipus oedipus Oedipus, yeah um because it's like he but he kills his mother (laughs) but he but he does bone his mother and he kills his he kills his vampire father i guess Um, some motherfuckers always trying to ice skate uphill i don't know it is a strange turn for (laughs) the last 20 minutes of this movie what do you think about that line (laughs) well some motherfuckers just want to ice skate uphill or some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill i mean immediately after he said it i googled it to be like what is the discussion on this line because (laughs) so so i guess it was something that they overheard wesley snipes say on set Okay. <laughs> uh, it wasn't originally written into the script. It was just like something he said in casual conversation. And they were like, we love that line. We're throwing it into the movie. Um, I think it's very strange. Because, <laughs> like, I, I, I found a blog post where someone was like, someone was like, you can't ice skate uphill because ice doesn't form in hills, it's water. <laughs> like, gravity means it will be flat. Yeah. I was just like, this is. A- a throwback to just you know uh, a action movie has to have 
a quip after the villain is killed and this yeah. just happens to be just this nonsensical thing that it's so fucking stupid that it works for me well it precedes him kicking a serum into deacon's face and then deacon's head explodes so it's just yeah. like we had to we need we can't just end with an exclamation point something has to precede that a sentence needs to occur uh, yeah yeah the ending is is, is is trippy because yeah they do that and they sort of go up on the the roof and then he's just like my mission isn't over and it kind of fades out and it yeah. cuts to to moscow or it cuts to, i think it's like i don't know yeah some eastern <laughs> european country yeah and he's just like in the snow looking badass as a vampire is trying yeah, to not looking at, at the person he's talking to bite at a lady's neck yeah it's good yeah it is good yeah, I can't wait to get your opinions on the next two because yeah, Guillermo del Toro directs number two, and, and I then have... I heard the third one's not very good. Yeah, so... third one has Patton Oswalt in it though, so yeah, my favorite, <laughs> one of my favorite comedians. So, oh, I think he was the one who was saying like it's a movie about a guy, a vampire killer. Like, how do you fuck this up? Wesley Snipes is a vampire <laughs> killer with a sword. Yeah, yeah, his stand up on it was pretty funny. Yeah, uh, what have you been watching lately? Uh, so first, I want to give a shout out to a friend of the show, Gavin and buddy Sean Lynch, uh, got oh, yeah. a, co- a copy of Red Snow. and I was able to watch Red Snow and it's a vampire movie that like, I think is a lot of fun and exists because of the success of, you know, going way back to like Nosferatu, but also like more recently Blade and like even Twilight have like just the vampire mythos is just like such a huge thing and is it, it lends itself really well to film just because, you know, you have these, these human characters that just have these, a very particular set of like traits that just, you know, they like to drink blood and they, uh, they turn into bats. And it's, a, it's, it's an absurd concept. And I like Red Snow a lot because it has fun with that idea. And it just has fun with like setting it in Tahoe, setting it in like this nice, in a place where we don't really technically, or sort of a place where we don't usually see vampire stuff happens the blade takes place in los angeles and mm-hmm. a lot of i think the rest of them are like sort of like city based as far as my memory serves but yeah i really enjoy red snow like the the performance is really great nico is a fantastic vampire and yeah it's just it's a good nice fun movie uh it's making the festival rounds right now and yeah i just want to give him props because they did a really good job on that movie so i just wanted to shout out to red snow but I finally got to the movie theaters out here in South Korea. It's been taking me a while to sort of make that happen just because there's COVID rules on shit. But finally, I got to go to the theaters. I was going to see Free Guy, but I was late. And since everything is like on the, it's every, there's a lot of like places out here where there's not like a person you interact with. You just kind of go to a, a machine kiosk. Like if you go to a Starbucks, you can just press it in. And so that's how it was at the movie theater. I showed up late. I thought I was going to be able to, convince the person to sell me a ticket anyway but yeah. it wasn't a person it was just the, the thing and so i was okay the only other movie i could see was reminiscence and so okay. i saw uh, this hugh jackman uh like noir sci-fi film uh yeah it's not that good of a movie but there's a lot of good stuff in it and it, like movies like that are always perplexing for like it's making a commentary on like global warming so it's set in miami but it's like a sunken Miami. So it looks like Venice. So there's just like all these like nightclubs have like boats and gondolas going up to them. And it's, yeah, it's just like water everywhere. And it's like really gorgeously shot, but the story is just like, just boring. And it's just it really kind of a drag. And 
It's uh, Lisa Joy. So it's like the uh, lady from Westworld. I don't know if you ever watched Westworld. Uh, I've seen the first season of Westworld. Yeah, first season was like phenomenal. Everyone's like down with that. But then it kind of, I guess it tapered off. I didn't, wasn't around for seasons two. I think I season mean, two or three. I wasn't even into the, into the first season really. Like, oh, really? Yeah. I liked it. To me, it's like, my problem with that show is one, all the human characters are assholes. And two, all of the robot characters are robots. <laughs> so it's like, I don't care about anybody. <laughs> yeah, fair. fair. <laughs> yeah, I thought they, they, they were having a lot of fun with it. I think they, I don't know, I enjoyed, um, oh God, I forget the guy's name. Um, he plays the Watcher in What If. Um, uh, I want to say it starts with a J. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is it Jonathan something? Uh, no, I'm totally blanking. Uh, fucking, I always God hate damn. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright, yeah. Jeffrey Wright, see? Yeah, yeah. it starts yeah, with a right. J. <laughs> you're, right. you're right, I was wrong. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright is, uh, yeah. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright is good in Westworld. And I, yeah, I liked uh, Jimmy Simpson. I liked, yeah, like the, the new and old thing that they did. I, I thought that was good, but yeah. Reminiscence, saw in theaters, wasn't that crazy about it. Yeah, um, yeah it was the first... Uh, movie yes on theaters out here I'm looking forward to seeing more because there's going to be a lot more releases happening coming up and I've also started watching uh re-watching the Venture Brothers because hmm. I kind of tapered off towards the end I didn't really see the last like two seasons and so I'm starting from season one it's all on HBO Max and nice. love that show really great sense of humor a lot of fun seeing just a lot of pop culture mashed together so that's what I've been watching what have you been watching this week um I saw Candyman um, ah. I will not spoil anything, but um, I thought it was okay. <laughs> um, okay. I feel like it's it's very sh- it's short. It's like about ninety minutes, and there still feels like there's some stuff that like could get cut out. That's there for the sake of you know it's got to be a horror movie, so some deaths need to occur. Um, so we gotta you know insert some more characters to die. Um, then it also feels a little bit. Like there's, it, it simultaneously feels like there's too much and not enough. <laughs> like, okay. it, it feels like it's grappling with a lot of issues, and it gets a little muddy to me what it is trying to say about these issues. Um, I don't know, man. I wish we could talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I really want to see it. Um, yeah, it's it's hard it's hard to talk about. <laughs> without spoiling anything without spoiling, yeah. because it's just like yeah it's it's a movie that's about things and the way you talk about it is to discuss the things that it's about but i don't want to spoil those things yeah i'm definitely i'm hunting it down i'm gonna find a way to see it it's, it just might just take some time like i might unfortunately i might have to just wait a month for it to show up on vod and just catch it on there because i don't think it's going to be screening out here yeah um yeah, like, but yeah it was Sorry, go, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, 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 no. I was just going to say, say it, it, it was fine. It was like, I wasn't disappointed. Uh, it was good. It, it shot really well. Uh, the performances are good. I feel like we kind of rush into things with our main characters. I feel like we it would have been nice to spend some more time getting to know who these people are before, you know, stuff really kicks off with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's It's, like I said, it feels like it might have too much in terms of what it's trying to deal with, but but then it doesn't have enough movie to do <laughs> to uh, address things fully. Uh, it doesn't have enough movie to fill out its characters really well. Um, and it feels like it has a little too much movie in regards to, um, 
I don't know, stuff that just feels like excessive uh, horror stuff that feels a little bit excessive. It, it, it feels like it dives into the lore a lot, which is kind of cool. Um, okay. It's really building up its, its interpretation of Candyman, but it, it kind of left me with a, a little bit confused about where its interpretation of Candyman ends up. Um, okay but yeah i want to talk about it with you <laughs> sure. you, need, yeah. you just need to see it yeah i'm gonna I, like i want to pay for it. i want to do it the honorable way and pay for it and yeah. not <laughs> and not steal it like a pirate um yeah i really enjoy the first one um yeah seeing it later in life is interesting because yeah like not really like scared of that movie but mm-hmm. just really appreciate just the production value and just everything about that movie visually is just really really great and yeah we can go to talk about the first one and the second one yeah and uh shout out to a friend of the show tony todd we know you're listening Probably <laughs> yeah with a uh, barry kogan right now listening yeah. <laughs> um the other thing I, I i i played a game recently called 12 minutes um it's uh, from anna annapurna interactive um yes i've heard about this yeah it stars james mcavoy daisy ridley and willem dafoe uh, it's this top-down sort of time loop game. Uh, it takes place over the course of 12 minutes. Um, what happens is you play this guy who comes home. His wife says she has dessert planned. Uh, you say, like, what's the special occasion? She reveals that she's having a baby. And then a man comes and knocks on the door who says you're under arrest. And most likely what's going to happen is he's going to punch you in the face, knock you out, and then you're going to wake up. <laughs> Uh, walking back into the apartment and everything is starting over again. And so I found it, I, it, it was pretty frustrating because it is such a brief time loop uh, and you are going to play it over and over and over again, trying new things. But I think what I found frustrating is that oftentimes you're trying the same things over and over again until you're about like nine minutes into the 12 minutes and then you change something. Um, it doesn't play in real time. It's not an actual 12 minutes and you can fast forward through a lot of dialogue. So you can speed through a lot of this stuff, but it is, it, it is, I mean, it's repetitive by design and it can get kind of frustrating. I, I, I kind of wish someone took this concept and did much more bite-sized chunks of time loops. So it's like you have to escape the first time loop in order to advance to the next level, which is an, another time loop. Um, I think that would be pretty interesting. Um, and just like limited, yeah, the scope of things, uh, less decisions to make. So you're not just, it can, it can be really frustrating repeating the same thing over and over. Yeah. And, yeah. and I was determined to do it in one sitting because I, I, I felt like how, how long could this game possibly be if, you know, it all takes place over 12 minutes. Uh, so I think it took me about like three and a half hours to complete the game. Um, okay. but yeah, it was it, it's interesting. I, I don't recommend people do it all in one sitting because <laughs> it does get frustrating. Um, but yeah, I think for kind of a similar experience, there's this free game online. It is a... So there's this this style of text adventure um, or interactive fiction, as some people call it. It's this game called Isle. So just Google Isle game and you'll find this text adventure where... Uh, this particular genre of text adventure, it's called a, um, I think it's called a one move text adventure. So the idea is you only type in one thing to do. And Isle is about, you're this guy who, I'm, I'm, I'm maybe have talked about this on the show before, but you're this guy who is at a grocery store and you're in the aisle for pasta sauce 
and you're deciding which pasta sauce to get. And so you make your first move and you say, like, you know, grab a bottle of pasta sauce, put in your cart. He does it and he says, you grab such and such sauce and it reminds you of Rome. And then the game ends. And so you play the game again and you maybe you say, think about Rome. And then you get something else. You get some other result and then the game ends. And so every time you're playing the game, you're getting a new piece of information about who this person is, about what their relationship is to the world around them and, and to Rome. <laughs> and okay. to, you know, what is this person's memories? Like, who are the people this person has known? And so you're just every time you're playing, you're revealing more and more information. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and that is but from the same developer who did the game Her Story, which Her Story is a game where you're, uh, you ha- you're on this computer and you're reviewing uh, interviews from this woman who's been interrogated for like this this crime that has occurred um, and she, sometimes she'll mention something uh, in her interview and you'll just take that as a keyword and you'll search for the keyword and you'll find other clips and okay. you'll watch those clips and you'll find other things to, to search maybe she mentions a name and you decide to search a name and so it's a similar thing where you're just like the more it's like a research game. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're you're being told something and you decide to research it and slowly you uncover the narrative and there's like even like twists and turns like you're as you reveal more information. Um, so it's pretty cool. That's rad, yeah. Like that like new like different styles of yeah, yeah, sort of mystery. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's kind of it for me. For sure. Uh so we are doing Blade franchise right now. Are we also going to be doing our weekly deviations because i have a a request from the viewer sure yeah i I completely forgot yeah let's do it yeah so the request from our good friend eden eden marcel back in back in the states back in california used to i worked at a cafe even worked at a a shop down a few doors down had a lot of fun chatting, chatting with them and talking to them about fashion and movies and all of the things like that and they suggested the film Relic, the 2020 film Relic. Have you seen I've, that? I've had people recommend that too. I have not watched it yet. Well, thank you, Eden, for the fantastic suggestion because that's going to be next up. I think I'll be my choice and then we'll come back to Blade 2 and then it'll be your choice after. Oh, sounds good. All right. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us, vaguezonepod at gmail.com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, hit us up. We'll reply back. If you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at us at vaguezone on Twitter. You know, we're just a bunch of angry birds on Twitter. So we just... Send us something. Send us a, an angry comment or something like that. You watch a movie and you didn't like. You watch Blade, you didn't like it, or you loved it. Let us know. Tweet at us. Please follow us. Give a give us a shout out. Also, want to give a shout out to Barry Kogan. Love you. We're a big fan of you here on the show. Really enjoyed uh, the Green Knight, and I hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to give you a shout out, and also a rest in peace to Ed Asner. Ed Asner mm, passed yeah. away, and uh, yeah, just yeah like him and the boondocks is just like really influential to me it's like i love the boondocks as a cartoon so just that was sad news to hear this week and so yeah um that has been episode 49 of vague zone i'm thomas and i'm catch you on the next one